The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's fast car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battle's for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world, hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in, pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you by Mark Fick and Ford. Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Today's guest, Mike, is the engine shop production manager for Hendrick Motorsports in the racing business for 43 years. And in that time, He's contributed to 12 NASCAR Cup Series championships for the likes of Rusty Wallace, Jimmy Johnson, Tony Stewart, Kevin Harvick, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson. Four Xfinity Series championships, two Truck Series championships, and has racked up a total of 435 wins and counting. Welcome to the podcast, David Evans. David, welcome and say hi to Mike Wallace. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing good, but I, as I, I think we should just quit. That was a hell of an intro. I mean, I just, if, 
if I would have all those hero names that I built motors for and all those championships and race wins, it's just like. And I'm looking at this picture behind us. I'm not, that's a pretty looking engine. Right yeah. There, well, so, it? David, in the background, we got a picture of a whole line of Hendrick Motorsports engines lined up in the engine shop. So, uh, cool. Look, looking pretty cool. But uh, as I've known you for a long time, that uh, Jeff, did you know he. Well, you read he built motors for my brother Rusty. That's, yep, right. That's, Won that championship in '89. Yeah, right? and David's always when I've been around him, he's always been that quiet guy, you know, unassuming talent. Right. But uh, man, what a record, David! So you know, the whole world—not the whole—well, the whole world is listening. Mike. The whole yeah. world is listening. <laughs> okay, I was trying yeah. to figure out what we had going on there. The whole world is listening, but the whole garage area is what I was going to say. Knows who David Evans is. You know, you're famous in the garage area as this in incredible engine builder, motor tuner, all that. And uh, we're going to try to tell all the fans in the world who you are, where you fit in the whole program. But I need you to tell the story. We just want to ask some questions. So I need you to take us back as far as you can to when you first remembered touching on an engine. I mean, I don't think you've never drove a car, have you? You've never drove a race car or have you? I drove one time and it was a disaster. <laughs> and I decided then I was better working on them than driving them. Okay, perfect. Well, that answer is something <laughs> I didn't know. So, but let's back up. When was the very first time and in what area of the country did you touch an engine and think this might be something you want to piddle with? Well, I'm, I'm originally from uh, Southern Virginia, uh, a town called South Hill, Virginia, which is right there on the North Carolina Virginia line. And ironically, Rick Hendrick is from the same area. And both our families were farming families. So I grew up on a farm, tinkering in the shop with my dad and, and working on small engines uh, was really the first experience uh, with, with engines, basically. But I would have to say my first racing experience uh, in the early 70s, my best friend's older brother had a body shop and he had a 1955 Chevy that he raced at Chantilly Speedway, which is in Weldon, North Carolina, which is basically on the North Carolina, Virginia line. And from that point, I think I was hooked that, man, I really love uh, working on engines that, that just, Kind of got it in my blood and kind of went from there. What age would you have been right there? I would have been uh, probably 12, 14 years old. Gotcha. Well, um, help us progress through then the next step. You're 12 years old. You're raced in Chantelly Speedway. You're hanging, you know, you're born in the Virginia, North Carolina border, I call it. Was there a lot of racing? Was there other influential people around there at that time that, you know, just drove you to want to be involved in uh, the engine business? Well, <clears throat> what happened was um, through a friend of my wife's family back then um, let me know that uh, a, a racer had moved to town. And this was South Hill, Virginia. And he said, hey, man, I think if you go by there and check it out, you would really, you'd really like it. So I went by this shop, 
and it was Cecil Gordon. Cecil Gordon. Wow, that's a name from the past right there. Yes, it is. And so uh, Cecil Gordon was an independent racer. And for people that don't know today what that is, Cecil uh, pretty much did everything himself. He had one full-time employee. His name was Charles Hammock. And everyone else was volunteer help. And so that's kind of how I ended the picture. Um, I would go by Cecil's uh, shop at night and on the weekends and uh, help Cecil build race cars. And actually the first uh, race engine I ever worked on was that shop. And I, I've asked this along the way, and I keep trying to keep an age perspective in place. What, what age were you right there when you were working? Cecil? Eight, 18. 18. Okay. You're being, in today's world, you were an old man by that time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the experience with Cecil is something that um, most people today wouldn't get because back then uh, you built everything. So you had to build a complete race car. And so Cecil would get a chassis from Banjo Matthews. And I mean, it's a chassis, no roll cage, no floor pan, no firewall. You purchase a roll cage. You bought all the sheet metal from the dealership and you built the complete race car. Hey, David, explain to me, and you just taught me something I didn't know. So back in the day at Banjo Matthews, you'd buy just a chassis, like the bare chassis with no cage on it? No cage. It was a bare chassis, and you bought a roll cage kit. And you bring it back, and Cecil would have all the frame jigs and fixtures, and you would build this car from the ground up. And like I say, the sheet metal you would buy from the dealership and you'd hang the body on it. You build the rear end housing, you build the rear gear, you build the transmission, you build the engine, you wire, you plummet, the whole thing from start to finish. And that was an experience that today you can't get, right? And, uh, yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to buying, you know, Jeff, he's talking about just a, a chassis off like I an old streetcar. No, I, I, I you can't know, imagine. Yeah, that's amazing. I, you know, I didn't know those that. things, all those components together. That would be a great experience, though, wouldn't it? Well, you'd cer- learn a thing or two. Certainly would teach you everything about it, wouldn't yeah. it? So, wow. So Cecil only had one and a half engines. Right. One and a half. <laughs> one and a half. Right? I bet that half one didn't run too good. <laughs> well, it was rotatable parts. <laughs> you, it was always one in progress, right? So you'd have to. He would race the engine in the car for probably five or six races, pull it out, put the fresh one in, and run it for five or six races. And so, for me, my working with Cecil there uh, on engines, it's, I figured out real quick that's what I wanted to do. And it's kind of funny that I remember the very first engine that I put together, uh, Cecil ran it at Darlington. And what happened, he was at the racetrack and blew up an engine. And he called me at home and said, hey, I need you to go to shop 
finish putting that engine together, put it in the van, and bring it to Darlington. <laughs> Nothing so like a little first, pressure right there. What kind Nothing of a, a little pressure? What kind of a time frame? Like overnight? Overnight. <laughs> so I finished this engine, put it in the van, took it to Darlington, and met him at the hotel. And he actually had to bring some parts from the racetrack to finish the engine in the van and then take it to the racetrack the next day and put it in the car. And that was my first actual race engine that I had a part in building. That's a hell of a weekend. Right yeah, that, that's that's like uh, what's, what they call that training under fire or yeah. whatever. So now let's hope for the good part. Did, did, did the engine last the, for the race? Did It didn't blow up, did it? The engine finished the race. Now, I couldn't tell you where we finished, but yeah, it did finish a, the race. Yeah, well, that's good. So that, that's, a, <laughs> that, that, that's a great story. I mean, so you, I was going to lead to some, but I think I just answered the question, or you did. You guys didn't carry spare motors back then, or Cecil didn't have a no. spare motor in the truck or anything. So. Absolutely not. So he had a, a probably a 70, early 70s model two-ton truck that had a box on the back. And we pulled with a flat trailer, open trailer. Now, to me, back then, when, when I looked at Cecil's truck, the box truck, the cabinets inside of it were beautiful. Nice, beautiful oak cabinets. Everything was very nice. And he had all the spare parts he needed to go race uh, for the weekend. Uh, and But... He, no spare engine. Hmm. So. Well, heck, all you have to do is pick up the phone and call David and have him run one down <laughs> to it. you, right? So it's no big deal. Run down to the shop, finish that engine. We, we, at least <laughs> we, had, we had pieces close. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. So uh, take us from there. You, you you got your first entry into building a motor under force of fire, if you want to say it that way. You had to have yep. one. You delivered it to the hotel. A lot of old stories about doing work in hotel parking lots and rooms, right? There was a... That's wrong. Yeah. So... leaving your little brother at a rest stop or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, we did that, too. <laughs> I, I seen a picture the other day, and I forgot exactly who it was. Uh, I want to... David... Uh, I think it was that Mark Conquest guy or something that worked for... Works for Joe Gibbs or did, but back in the day, worked yeah. for maybe Bahari and showed a, pit, showed a picture of them working on a... An engine in a hotel room. Like they, <laughs> That's right. They had, they had the engine in the hotel room. You know? You're going to get your deposit back after yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so after that experience with Cecil, and you, you were down there, and uh, where did it go from there? Did you, uh, did you stay with Cecil for a period of time? And what were you doing for money? I mean, I assume that was uh, you were volunteer help at that point, right? I was volunteer. Yeah, when you work for an independent, it's all volunteer. Uh, but I worked in a garage during the day working on cars and then at night i would go go help cecil and then help on the weekend you know jeff i gotta say i i mean i know life is what it is today and it advances on but man i'm gonna tell you what david and jeff that that was the glory days of motorsports right. you know oh, wow. and what i mean by that is you had guys that wanted to be there they weren't there for the money the help right. you know it actually cost them money to come help you but but everybody went for a good fun you know race work at the shop 
You know, it just... I think a lot of things were like that. It was like that in the radio business, too. When I got into radio in 1979, yeah, and somebody would call me and say, hey, man, I need you to do the overnight shift, which was always midnight to 6. Yeah, no problem. What what time, you know? Yeah. They'll be there tonight? Yeah, no problem. So we're going to lead on to this show of how it's changed so much. But uh, So you're working for Cecil. You're doing that part-time, and you're working in a mechanic shop. What's the next step step in David Evans' life? So, when working with Cecil, so building engines there, right, he had no machine equipment. So, Jack Tant did all of Cecil's machine work on the engines. And basically, all Cecil did was assemble the engine. So, I met Randy Clary working at Cecil's. And Randy Clary was working for Jack Tant. Help me and with so, who Jack Tant was. He, I, I heard, I've heard his name. He was like an engine builder, car owner or something. So Jack Tant uh, is a famous engine builder that owned the number 11 modified that Ray Hendrick drove and won everything in the modified series. Okay. Okay. That, that's so, why I know the name. All right. So Jack Tant and Clayton Mitchell owned the car that Ray Hendrick drove. And actually Jack Tant probably has more wins at Martinsville than anybody. Really? With his engine. Yes. So I met Randy Clary at Cecil's and, and Randy was working for Jack Tant and, and Randy Clary told me, he says, Hey man, I think you would really love working uh, for Jack Tant. So Cecil, and Randy introduced me to Jack Tant. And so I worked for Jack Tant from 80 to 83. Okay, set the stage for me. You walk up to Jack Tant. What's he look like? What's he sound like? Young guy, <laughs> old guy, gruffy, mean? Uh, Jack all... Tant was an older guy, um, probably a little grumpy. <laughs> uh Hard, hard guy, but uh, I, I learned a lot. Um, you know, it's it's something to go to work for engine shop that has that kind of resume. That man, they've won so many races in the modified series, and um, you know, it was a great learning experience for me. So, so Jack's business was the race engine business or the engine business or had an automotive shop? What did he have? So at that time that I went, uh, he wasn't racing anymore, but he had an engine shop and uh, pretty much built mostly modified, but some uh, sportsman engines. Um, but he had a pretty good business. And the thing about working for Jack, is you got to do everything, right? It's it's not like it was or is today. Is today, right? <laughs> so specialized, you know. Back then, you had to do it all. And uh, you mean you didn't have a fan belt specialist back then? Yeah. <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> no, not at all. Great spot for a time out here. He's the engine shop production manager for Hendrick Motorsports. We're talking to David Evans. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, it's Mike Wallace. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. 
Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle that's currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken, Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointments, or collision need. We're talking to David Evans. He's the engine shop production manager for Hendrick Motorsports, and they got a lot going on. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. They do have a lot going on over at Hendrick, but we're going back and back Jack Tant days. And David, we're working at Jack Tant's. And you said, David, you got to like you did at Cecil Gordon's. You got to work on every part of the engine, uh, which is different than today. Explain a little bit about that. Yeah. So back back then, uh, you know, it, it's from disassembling the engine to washing the parts inspecting the parts uh all the machine work uh every aspect of the engine you're 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 there to touch it and i I remember for so long you know jack it's you know it's a small shop it was only three of us in the engine shop and jack's right there uh showing you the process and teaching you and bringing you through the process and uh, to have an opportunity to work with someone of Jack's caliber, uh, you know, it was just, you couldn't put a price on it. Yeah. And it's really set me up for my career, you know? Well, that's wonderful. As you're working for Jack and you're building motors for who knows who, how, how did, uh, how did you get exposed? How did, how did you start getting opportunities to go to work for other people? And what was the next step in your career? After Jack. So Jack is a well-known engine builder. And a lot of people that uh, are in the racing industry and cup racing went through Jack's shop. Uh, There's a guy by the name of, his nickname's Bird, Bird Schaffner. He and I became really good friends. Uh, Lou LaRosa, if you remember, was the engine builder for Dale Earnhardt. Oh yeah, Lou had it. Last time I seen Lou, he had a car wash in Concord. <laughs> no, no, right. Yeah, after they, yeah. 
I think he's actually teaching uh, automotive and around Martinsville or whatever today. Oh, really? Well, that's yeah. That's kind of cool and unique. So Lou, you know, he's won championships with Dale Earnhardt uh, at Richard Childress Racing. And uh, so I worked with Lou and Bird at Jack Tant. And so Bird Schaffner and I became really good friends. And so when Bird left Jack Tant's to come to North Carolina or Charlotte, I should say, uh, to go to work for Ron Benfield on the Levi Garrett car. Um, when, when he left, he said, Hey man, he says, if there's an opportunity for you in Charlotte, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a call. So, uh, I gave him my phone number and he said he put it in a shoebox when he moved out. <laughs> well, this is like the guy that always takes funny. my number. Go, go ahead. <laughs> he, he threw it in a shoebox. It's not like we had cell phones. Back right. Then. And so he said, hey, man, if something comes up, I'm going to give you a call. So time goes on. Uh, it's, it's probably, a, I don't know, I'm guessing a year later. I get this phone call. And I answer the phone. And the guy says, uh, hey, my name's Harold Elliott. Uh, Bird Schaffner gave me your phone number and said that uh, give you a call. He thinks you might be interested in coming to work for an engine shop. Man, I thought he was fooling. I mean, like, <laughs> Harold Elliott's calling me. and uh, That's a pretty famous name, Jeff, in, right. in racing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, he says, when do when you think you could come down and talk? I said, I'll be there tomorrow. So uh, I came to Charlotte to talk to Harold Elliott, and that was at Blue Max Racing. Incredible. That's and so. Okay, wait a second. I, I got to stop you right there. I know you're not moved officially yet, but you no, said you I, drove I, the next day. So, Jeff, what's our question to everybody? So, the question is, we like to ask all of our guests. You're driving from where you live to come to Charlotte to 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 better your racing career. What kind of a car did you drive to get here? So, if I remember right. The, the vehicle that I had at the time, I wasn't even sure it would make it to Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> so I borrowed, I don't even remember the make, but it was a Chrysler, I think it was, from my aunt and drove to Charlotte uh, to interview for the job. So it was a loner. Was it a Cordoba? <laughs> I think it was. I think it was. Is that right? Yeah. So, it had that rich Corinthian leather. Rich. Oh, yeah. It was comfortable. <laughs> Jeff Kenton, you know everything, man. I'll just tell you. So, How uh, did you know that? A friend of mine in high school had one of those, too. But there was a famous actor who did the uh, the Chrysler commercials. Don't you remember? The guy from... Um, <laughs> oh, Christ. I can't remember his name now. But... Uh, um, Fantasy Island, the guy who the guy who hosted Fantasy Island. Okay. What, what was that actor's name? I, I he know did who you're the commercials about. for the Chrysler Cordoba. Yeah, that's right. Like <laughs> and it had the rich Corinthian leather. <laughs> that's right. So so David, I gotta tell you, sitting next to Jeff as we do this show, he, he can impersonate anyone. <laughs> and, and because of being in the music business or the radio business for all he knows every song I think that was ever thought of. You want to play music trivia, bring me. We'll yeah. win. <laughs> we will win. Yeah. And then he'll sing it in the tone of what whoever the singer is. And it's like, I got my own entertainment show booked right here, man. <laughs> 
So go back to the Chrysler. What was it called? <laughs> Cordoba. Okay. So you drive that baby down to Harold Elliott's at the yep. Blue Max Racing. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I go in and I talk to Harold, and uh, um, I, I see Bird there, and they told me it's like we like to never found your phone number. Bird said he couldn't remember where he put it. And he finally found it in that shoebox, which I'm so thankful he did. But uh, when, when I walked into Blue Max, man, I was blown away. Um, I thought that was the most amazing place that I've ever seen. And uh, I've never seen so much equipment and race cars and, and all under one roof. I thought, man, I have died and gone to heaven. So Harold interviews me, and he tells me, you know, he's looking for someone to assemble engines, uh, and that uh, the spill that he gave me is like, man, I probably can't pay you what you really would like to have right now, but if you'll come on down and work with us, I think we can work out things in the future to be better for you. And so I'm soaking all this in. And, and uh, he gets done, and he gives me an offer, and I about fell out on the floor. I was like, man, this is more money than I ever dreamed I'd make in my life. Oh, really? He made you a big offer then for you? <laughs> what I thought was, yeah, <laughs> considering where I came from, you know. And uh, he says, now, look, uh, you go back home and you think about this, and, uh, you know, a few days you give me a call and let, let me know what you think. And I drove back home. I called him the next morning and told him I wanted a job. Uh, I didn't want anyone else to get in front of me. Right. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. First so, call in, first in line, right? <clears throat> so, so that that uh, that was 1984. 1984. And uh, who who was driving for Blue Max at that time? Was that would have been Tim Richmond? Okay. So. So I'll ask at that point because everybody's always these myth. Tim Richmond was the mythical figure long before, you know, he's before my time of being down, but was he as much fun as everybody said he was? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Huh? So yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. You tell me if this was true that the uh, Tom Cruise movie days of thunder yeah. had, yep. has a, had a loosely based that was, that was Tim Richmond. That's who they kind of based it off of. Is that right? Do you think or not? That's, Yes, correct. Okay. Yep. yep. He was uh, he was a fun guy to be around. He had a giant heart. Man, he he he, he loved everybody. Uh, but he was cool, man. He 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 was different, and I think uh, it kind of set the uh, the old guard kind of back. That uh, he looked different. He acted different. But. Um, he was a lot of fun to be around. So, and again, this show is all about you, but we got to pull in what I call some of your characters that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you were part of. So, how how is Tim Richmond cool? I just think that um, he, I don't know, he's kind of like the Clint Eastwood, the kind of you know rebel type of guy. He struck um, me as being very charismatic, right? Yeah. His personality I mean, was just larger than life. I got you. I think. You know, that was kind of, I mean, I knew the name Tim Richmond, never met him, of course. And, uh, 
But it was just like uh, different things I see about them and read about them and all. It's like, this is party central right now. This is the dude you want to hang out with if there's going to be an event. <laughs> yeah. he, he hauls ass during the day. Then he's got the, the uh, dick trickle opinion at night. Don't lose the party in the bar. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> and, and Trickle used to tell us, and he would be the last one. Trickle would be the last one out of the bar. Well, he'd go yeah. out and kick everybody's butt the next day. This this is true story. This is no BS here. And you look at him and go, Dick, how how in the hell do you run that good? And, and you were the last one out of the bar. He goes, you want the truth? He says, I feel so damn bad. I'm, I just want to be the first one done. I don't want to have to do this stuff very much longer. Meaning he, he's feeling bad. He's hung over. He's going to go start the race, not run everybody. He can quit before everybody else. <laughs> so Tim Richmond's nickname is Hollywood. Yep. In describing Richmond's influence in racing, Charlotte Motor Speedway president Humpy Wheeler, friend of the show, uh, said, We've never had a race car driver like Tim in stock car racing. He was almost a James Dean-like character. So that sums it up. Pretty there cool. you go. And that was Humpy Wheeler who said that. Well, see see that what I was talking about early in the show where Je Jeff knows everything about anything, and if not, <laughs> he pulls up his Google search while we're talking and pulls out the good stuff. The so, interweb is amazing. Mike. The interweb. So <laughs> you go to work for Harold Elliott. Yep. At Blue Max Racing. And Tim Richmond's your first driver, and so how does how does things go? How is life at, at Blue Max Racing? Is it what you were expecting it to be? Well, uh, I didn't really know what to expect, but it, it turned out to be uh, everything that I wanted. Um, I know, being really young and assembling engines there, I remember the first engines I built. Uh, you know. The crew guys were pretty hard on me. Uh, I heard them tell Harold, uh, we're not even going to set the pits up because it's not going to take long when that engine blows up after he puts it together. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were all cool guys, Barry Dotson and, you know, actually Tim Richmond. I mean, uh, Tim Brewer was there at the time. And, you know, a lot of great guys. But um, I think uh, – it was an awesome experience for me, and I think my first win was with Tim Richmond. What age were you then? About so I would have been uh, twenty, early twenties. Early twenties. So, That's uh, pretty young. First, yeah, first win was like uh, uh, I think April '84, North Wilkesboro. April '84, so, North Wilkesboro. Isn't that well? Isn't that how history comes around? Now we're back to North <laughs> Wilkesboro. So. As you uh, you progress along there at Blue Max Racing, and Blue Max Racing was owned by a famous drag racer, Raymond Beetle, right? Uh -huh. yep. So that's where the Blue Max. If you ever watched drag racing, there was this kind of a what what logo did they call that? I called it a cross, or it kind of looked it's kind of some type of medallion, and with Blue Max wrote into this yes. real cool kind of cryptic look, but it always had gold leaf lettering on it, so it was. Uh, so that was a drag racer that come stock car racing. How about that? Yeah. Yep. In 1985, that complex there at Blue Max, we actually had the funny car, a sprint car, a sportsman car, and the cup car all in the same complex. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. So uh, we had the actually two separate engine shops um one that built the funny car engines and the sprint car engines and then we built the sportsman 
and the cup engines. So would that have been the shop for the people that are familiar with the Charlotte area? That's a, that was over off Statesville Avenue, right? That's correct. Okay. I'm, I'm yep. just, and for you that don't know Charlotte, it's off Statesville Avenue. <laughs> look, it up on, look it up on Google Google Maps. search it. Yeah. Well, I seen my, my brother Rusty did some video clip with somebody a year or two ago, and he was standing outside of that shop. And oh, is that right? Yeah. And what is it now? I, I don't know. It was just some warehouse. Or just, something yeah, I think so. Yeah. Good spot for a timeout. We're talking to David Evans. He's the engine shop production manager for Hendrick Motorsports. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace is teaming up with Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard to save you money on your vehicle purchase. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle in stock. Hey, Mike, there's a landing page online with all the info you need to take advantage of this offer. FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. You can view inventory and more. You can even listen to any of the 80-plus episodes of Fast Car to NASCAR while there. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Once again, David Evans on the line, and here's Mike Wallace. Well, David, we're going back to Blue Max Racing in 1985. You're in your young 20-year-old range, and you're, you're working out of a shop, the stock car shop or the NASCAR shop. You got uh, sportsman cars there. You got a sprint car. You got a funny car. And how do things go from there, from there on? Well, <clears throat> 1986 is when uh, Rusty came on board, and um, that that was the Kodiak. Uh, Pontiac. Okay. And, and so that really set Blue Max on the map, right? Uh, Rusty, uh, I think we won a couple races the first year and, and then on to win the 1989 championship, which, you know, it's kind of ironic that, uh, you know, we could win a championship, and I think we only had 18 or 20 full-time employees, and we did everything. Built all the engines, built all the cars, everything was done there. Um, so it's it's pretty pretty good time for me. Um, and also winning the 1988 Engine Builder of the Year was pretty special. That has to be really special. That's an honor to you directly at that point. And <clears throat> are you and your team or guys, but uh, congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, 
it's uh, I I moved to Charlotte, and I can say I've probably never been anywhere but Virginia and North Carolina. And in '88, uh, I go to North, uh, New York to the Wardorf Astoria for the banquet. And man, I was a fish out of water. <laughs> I was just yeah, gonna I'll say, <laughs> I'd like to see the video of that. <laughs> I was gonna say that's a pretty cool honor. No, I was wondering if if you actually got that award at at the banquet. Yeah. So you did. Yeah, that, that's cool. Yeah, back then, uh, it, all the awards were at the banquet itself. Now they do a breakfast, and it's a little bit separated. But got to go on the stage in New York and accept an award, uh, which is pretty pretty special. Nervous, but I made it through it. So did you make a speech? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, I had a good speech. So <laughs> uh, for a farm boy out of Virginia, man, I was out of my element. Farm farm boy out of Virginia at the Waldorf. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> make a movie about that. Yeah, that'd be a movie <laughs> itself. So, yeah, did you enjoy that that night at the Waldorf? Was that exciting to you? Yeah, it was. It was definitely exciting. Um, uh, it was uh, not something you could prepare for, I guess you'd say, because not knowing what to expect. And and uh, but uh, I made it through it. Um, I think uh, it was Jimmy Maycar also won uh, Mechanic of the Year. So he and I both. Uh, I think we must have drank a bottle of wine before we got up there. But. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask. You know, we'll probably they. Uh... I was told I'd never been to – I don't think I've ever been to a NASCAR Cup Awards banquet still to this day. Uh, but they tell me the after parties, especially the guys who won, <laughs> were that, that those were the highlight of that night, that next morning, that next day. <laughs> it, it's the party yeah. you don't want to lose right there. <laughs> yeah. So, quite so, the experience. It's quite the yes. experience. So you win the, cha- the Engine Builder of the Year Award in 1988. 1989 comes along. Take it from there. So, 1990 uh, at Blue Max, we went a couple races. I think the <clears throat> 600 race at Charlotte. And then at that time, uh, and, and Mike, you know this story as well as me, but Rusty's in communication with Roger Penske um, about uh, starting – Penske Racing and Rusty being a, a part owner in that. And so Blue Max had kind of hit some financial issues, and we kind of knew that, you know, things were coming to an end. So uh, 91, we moved to uh, Penske Racing with Rusty. So, you know, jumping back for a second, we had Rusty on the show not too long ago, and he was telling us about that year and uh, it's unique that you're over at Hendrick Motorsports right now because he said that Rick Hendrick actually saved that team. He did. Yeah, I, and he didn't really elaborate except he says, you know, he come in and cash flowed the thing or whatever to, to make it to complete the year or whatever. So it uh, seems that Rick Hendrick has had a lot of involvement in teams <laughs> other than his own. That's right. Yeah. So you guys moved to Penske Racing. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. You've got a lot of accolades by that time. You've done really well. Do you sit back and think, hey, I'm the I'm just the kid from Virginia that now I'm working for one of the greatest car owners in the sport, Roger Penske. 
not just working for him, running the you know the engine program is. Did you have that thought, or you by that time you're too cool and you're just doing your job? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I was too cool, but I'll definitely say uh, it was a whole different experience with Roger Penske of taking it to the next level. Um, I mean, down to the shirts and the pants that you wear, right? Everything has got to be perfect. Uh, we've got a product to sell. We're, we're taking care of our sponsors. We've got to look the part, act the part, talk the part. And he, I guess you could say he taught us all a lot of, you know, racing is stepping into the next era of, uh, you know, how visible it is in the world. So, um, everything I remember when they built that shop and we had to meet, you know, his, his days were so full. We actually had to meet Roger Penske up at the new shop, like 11 or midnight to walk through the shop. So he, he could look at everything. We were outside at midnight looking at shrubs <laughs> Roger must do everything at midnight. Remember, we okay. had Paul, we had Paul Tracy on early in our show. Didn't you meet him in an airport or something like well, that? Well, he met him at the Detroit Diesel at eleven thirty or midnight. <laughs> he said he thought he was meeting a mafia. Yeah, guy, somebody yeah. picked him up at the airport and says, "Come on!" And they sent him in a room and had him sit down. And says he'll be here in twenty minutes. He says it's dark in the place, and so so it's kind yeah. of yeah. same thing. We're out there, Roger Pinsky and Walt Zarnicky and me and whoever else is. We're looking at shrubs and signage, and it's crazy. Yeah, that's cool. So I guess you guys had to work, or Penske had to work a lot throughout the evening to get everything he had going. You guys got started, and um, I would I mean, the Penske racing deal, other than probably winning the championship, was had to be a success, wasn't it? Definitely a success. Uh, I know well, a couple things for me. I know uh, 1991 – uh, Pocono was a special win for me at Penske um, because we put a ton of work into an engine from that era on, from 91 up. Um, and and to go to Pocono and win the Miller Genuine Draft 500 with Rusty with an engine that we put a ton of work into. I know, listen to uh, Doug Yates on your one of your earlier podcasts, he talked about the forward cylinder head and the, and the gains they made there. Mm-hmm. We had kind of the similar thing on our end uh, with the Chevrolet cylinder head. At that time, there was really no rules on valve angle. And so we spent a ton of time on uh, cylinder heads and rotating the head to reduce the valve angle. Uh and and to go and win with that with that engine was special. Yeah, there was a time and when Rusty was on the show, he told that story too. There was a time when the Penske engines were just kicking everybody's butt, right? So yeah. much so that NASCAR made you guys strip the engine down in front of everybody while everybody watched. And Rusty said that the whole team felt violated by that. Were you a part of that whole deal? I was not that I had left Penske by that time, but I were, I recall that and that is something that, you know, NASCAR had come by and told the other the engine builders that they could come look. They laid it all out. And that's something that I refused to do because 
I have more respect for Larry Wallace than that. Uh, I feel like when when an engine builder works on something and, and has an advantage, uh, I didn't feel it was right to go and 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 look at those components. Uh, I just didn't feel like that was the right thing to do. I don't. Th- I totally agree with you, and I think what NASCAR thought was that they were going to find out that that Penske was cheating. Yeah, well, I know, I know Doug Yates told us on our show and told me off there one time before. He's, man, he's, I'm going to tell you what, they made us look like kindergarten engine builders when they laid that stuff out in front of us. He <laughs> yeah. says there was just all new stuff, you know, real lightweight components, this, that. And it was a compliment to the team, Penske Racing, right. and Rusty yes. says they were violated, right? It was yeah. like, exactly. so, yeah. So at that yep. time, David, after, as uh, you kind of mentioned, you weren't there. Where did you go after Penske Racing? Because you were the start of that. And, yep. what, and, so, what, and everybody does something. I don't need you to get into total details. But you left Penske Racing. Was that go wherever you're going? Is that for a better deal? Or was there something that just kind of started to unravel over there? Or what, what would make you want to change? So we had quite a bit of success at Penske. I know in 93... We won 10 races with a Pontiac. And in 94, we switched to a Ford, and we won eight races. Um, I know that uh, Rusty was concerned that switching to the Ford where we're going to be competitive. And and I told Rusty, I said, it's not a problem. It burns gas, we'll be just fine. (laughs) Uh, Burns gas. And he was worried about it to the point that we actually put a Ford engine in a Pontiac car and tested it at Phoenix. So uh, just to prove that we could we could do it and, and be competitive. And so with that success, people start knocking on your door. And so Felix Sabatis and Kyle Petty approached me uh, about coming over to Sabco. And so we all know Felix and, and, you know, he's very successful. I think Felix was the first owner to actually start bringing in these high end motor coaches into sports. So he was very charismatic, uh, (laughs) (laughs) persuasive. Yeah. How about that? So so to be quite (laughs) honest, uh, they offered me a, a lot of money to come try to help Sabco. Okay. And so I knew it was more than what, you know, Penske could do for me. And at the time, you know, you're raising a family, you're trying to do the best for your family. And to be quite honest, being young and naive, uh, you know, I, I jumped at the opportunity. Right. And it's something that I somewhat regret today. I wish that I'd have had more experience and understood the sport more because I was naive enough to think that I could go win races anywhere. And that is just not the case. Um, it takes everything to be perfect to win races. Mike, you're, you're a race car driver and you understand this as much as more than anybody, but it, man, it takes the driver and the crew and the pit crew and the engine shop and the money and everything to make it work. And so the years from 95 to Mm -hmm. 2003 were rough years for me because, 
those were lessons I had to learn. So I, uh, I went to Sadco in 95 and then Kyle Petty wanted to start his own race team. And so I went with Kyle in 96 and 97 to PE2 and I actually was a part owner in that. I didn't know um, that. Tell us the story. You got 40 seconds in this break. Tell us that little story quick. <laughs> so, yeah, Kyle started the Hot Wheels team, PE2, 96, and he wanted me to come over with him for that. And he offered me a small, small part in that to go do that. And so I did that from 96 to 97. Again, the team was not successful, and it couldn't sustain. So we parted ways uh, after 97. And then uh, from there, uh, a quick qu quick question in this, and just right before we end this break, you had a, a partnership or an ownership in that team. Yeah. Now I had one of those one time. I was retained as a driver <laughs> to have, and mm -hmm. I was supposed to have something. Like I, I own thirty percent of this team, right? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't read the fine print where it said if the team's in existence. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's and right. So basically I ended up well, with nothing. Thirty thirty percent of a negative amount of cash. Yes. Is not yeah. a whole lot of money. So yeah. so did you end up with anything about being a partner or not? I'll just say I got a little bit. Okay, well, go. that's, that's, that's good. Better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, he's the engine shop production manager for Hendrick Motorsports. We're talking to David Evans. You're listening to Fast Card and NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, it's Jeff Kent. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off new or used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Card and NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Thick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Thick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. He's David Evans, engine builder, production manager. And once again, here's Mike Wallace. Man, David, we have been progressing through your career, but there's still a long time to go in your career. So you had uh, ended up at, at Petty's for a while. You, you yep. progressed through different challenges. And from Petty's, you went where? So from Petty's, I went to Butch Mock Racing. Uh, you know, uh, he wanted to start his own engine program. So I went there and, and helped Butch uh, get that off the ground and, and get it going and uh rick mass was a driver and then uh from there 
Rick Mass left and went to Larry Hedrick. And Ted Musgrave come on board. And Ted Musgrave had a kind of a relationship with Yates. So he wanted to go the Ford route uh, with the Yates engines. And so I left Butch Mock and then went to Larry Hedrick. Okay. So, so, so through those, let's say the Petty years, the Butch Mock years, the Larry Hedrick years, yeah. uh, were, those were, were those job years or were those meaning anything, any good wins, championships come out of those? No. Uh, again, you know, the years from 95 to 2003 were, were tough years because just – Again, you can have the best engines uh, and not have the best driver, you're not going to win. You can have the best driver and not the best engine or the best car, you're not going to win. And to have all those pieces in one place at the right time is, is very difficult. Takes a lot, right? It takes a lot. Yeah, so you got, you got a little spoiled early on. I and, did. You know, and then you kind of move on and uh, – as everybody does, from crew chiefs to drivers to mechanics. Well, I'm, I'm pretty damn good. I'm going to go do this somewhere else. Take my, what do the football players say? I'm going to take my talents. My talents to salvage. <laughs> yeah, and uh, easy there, LeBron. Yeah. So uh, the uh, the talents got moved on, and then the team wasn't quite as good. So where did the where and how? And let's just jump to because I think there's a lot of great things. How did you end up at Hendrick Motorsports? So, um, now I do after, want to say that I, David was at AJ Foyt Racing, which is a famous name in the sport because right. I got to drive some of his engines. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you a story, and I, I probably <laughs> a real quick story, and it's 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 bad on me, but I didn't think David was smart enough to catch me, but he did the following week. <laughs> and, I, and I didn't mean this derogatory, David. This was kind of so we run Pocono, right? We're at Pocono, and you went. You'd shift up there. Your right. third gear come off. You hit fourth gear. And we're running along average. Just, you know, it's kind of a fun part. Drive for A.J. Foyt. Didn't get, never got the ass chewing that everybody was supposed to get for A.J. Foyt. I was kind of happy about that. <laughs> and David's the engine builder. And uh, we end up blowing up. Yeah. And he calls me during the week. He goes, hey, he says, uh, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but I, I do. This is a true story. He goes, hey, by any chance, when you were thinking about going from third to fourth, did you go to third to second? <laughs> and I went, uh, uh, yes, sir. Well, I was just wondering, every damn valve in this motor is bent like hell. So you, you overrubbed it bad somewhere. So that's a <laughs> – can't, can't even cheat them guys. They, that's they, driver they, error. Yep, yeah, they catch you. So uh, Sorry, dude. Yeah, I just had to put that story out there because he was so nice about it. Well, I can, I can tell you did something you didn't tell us about on Sunday. <laughs> so, um, yep. all right, well, fast forward that. Now, how do you end up at Hendrick Motorsports? So I leave AJ's. Um, and then, uh, there's a point, period of time there that I wasn't working. So <clears throat> trying to get, uh, a job somewhere and, uh, talk to Randy Dorton and, and I'll have to say Randy was awesome. Um, Randy says, Hey, I got something working here. Just sit tight. And, and I think it's going to work out really good for you. And so, I came down and talked to Randy and what he was talking about 
was the Haas race team. And so for people who might not know, Hendrick Motorsports leases engines to other teams. And so there was a, a business relationship between Hendrick Motorsports and Gene Haas, uh, where they leased engines to Haas, but also the CNC equipment at Hendrick Motorsports was part of the deal. And so it was a very important business deal between Hendrick Motorsports and Gene Haas. And Randy wanted someone that could really take care of that car. So he asked me to come on board if I would travel with that car and tune that car and take that take care of that car uh, would be a big a big help to him. And so that's what I did. And to be quite honest, that was that was the most fun I'd had in a long time. Uh, there was no pressure of running an engine shop. Uh, the pressures of dealing with you know all the uh, employees and 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 that such. I could just come work on engines. And so it was very good for me. And I got to thank Randy Dorton uh, for really extending a hand to me and helping me. And uh, that's uh, something I'll never forget. So Randy basically got your career back on track for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He had told me, he said, hey, if you help me do this, there will be good things for you here at Hendrick Motorsports. And he was absolutely right. No, that's good. That's great. So. You did the Haas deal, and that, that progressed along, and then where internally in Hendrick Motorsports do you go, or how does it change? And, you know, you've been there for a long time now, so I don't know how long. but uh, So this year is my 20th year. Uh, I just got my – Rick. for every 20-year employee, gives a Rolex, and this year I got my Rolex. Well, outstanding. No Corvettes or nothing, just a Rolex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be funny on that one. It so, was actually so yeah. Funny. yeah. So, so let me let me ask you because Rich wanted me to get to it, and it's kind of probably a little ahead, and we'll back up a little bit. So, 500 wins. Yep. In the engine shop at Hendrick Motorsports, and you mentioned Randy Dorton, and for yep. everyone that doesn't know, uh, and. And you fill in the blanks for me. Randy Dorton was kind of the, the the main guy, the developer of the engine program at Hendrick Motorsports. Is that correct? That's correct. So in 1984, when HMS started with Jeff Bodine, uh, Randy Dorton was the engine builder. Okay. And so from that first race team, it has grown into – uh what it is today with i think at the height of this engine program we supplied engines to 12 cup cars six xfinity cars and six trucks uh we would dyno that's 24 <laughs> 24 teams wow yeah we, we would dyno right at 1000 to 1100 engines a year um how about them numbers, Jeff Kent? Those are big numbers because we've had this conversation that we had Scott Maxim on, on, mm-hmm. on the show That's right. not too long ago, and he explained a little bit of how this, this works. A team will lease one of those engines, 
And a representative from Hendrick Motorsports actually travels with that team, as you were just saying, that you had done. Um, That's right. And then the engine comes back after I don't know how many races, but you guys tear it down, clean it, put it back together. And I, while they're using another one, I guess that, that's how that whole cycle works, right? Yeah, we have about 75 cup engines in inventory and about 60 Xfinity engines, and those rotate through. So so we've advanced along a little bit since the Cecil Gordon days by this point. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, that, again, was supposed to be funny. That was a little <laughs> joke, you know, from a one. So from they, a, they've got more than one and a half more, engines. More than one around. and a half yeah. engines at yeah. this time. <laughs> and uh, so when, when uh, the 500th. And, and for everybody that doesn't know, Randy Dorton was one of the uh, Hendrick employees, leaders that uh, went down in the plane wreck many years ago with uh, Ricky Hendrick on board. So it kind of changed the profile and the thoughts of Hendrick Motorsports from what I understand. I don't know this personally, just repeating what I've been told, kind of changed, uh, put a pause on directional things. But, of course, the team has totally rebounded. And w so was there any big special ceremony hey boys good job on that monday after or tuesday <laughs> after winning 500 or was it just back to going to work well we we do a little celebrating uh there's still more stuff planned uh you know it's hard to do a big celebration right in the middle of the chase uh we want to do it and we will do it there's a company luncheon coming up next week that Rick's going to have with just the engine shop employees. Uh, we're also trying, we, we want to get the 300th cup win for Hendrick Motorsports, which we're at 299. So I think once we get the 300th win, coupled with the 500th win, we'll probably have a big blowout. Oh, man, i tell you what, I'd get with your cup drivers right now and be hard on them boys <laughs> and say, look. I'd say that that win is, is right around the corner. You, I mean, you boys on, right? get all the pleasure all the rest of the time. Yet, <laughs> let's knock this out here this year and win yeah. a championship to go with it, you know. So. And, and you put that with uh, next year, 2024, will be the 40th anniversary of Hendrick Motorsports as well. Wow, that didn't seem like it could be that long, Jeff. To me, long. it doesn't. 1984, right? Yeah, well, I'd. I'm barely that old, so I don't really, you know. <laughs> and we speak about, you know, 500 engine wins. You know, it is a testament to Randy Dorton and what he started. Everything that he put in place, the vision that he had, um, you know, and we want to continue to gain those wins and, and keep that legacy going for Randy Dorton. Well, you're doing a great job of tell us exactly what you do at Hendrick Motorsports. What is your your position and what's that entail? So I'm the engine shop production manager, and our engine shop is, you might say, is cut up in three segments. Um, we have the production side, which I manage, which is anything to do with the day-to-day -day race engines falls under my umbrella. And then we have development, uh, which is a group of guys that handle all the development side, engine builders, and managers that handle that and then we have the engineering side as well so there's, there's like three departments but anything to do with the day-to-day -day race engines falls under uh, my management 
So you're you're the guy that actually the people see the end result. You, it falls under your category. The the end result, the races on Saturday or Sunday, is, is under your leadership. Yeah, but I'll have to say, it's it's a group, right? There's sure. there's a there's six or seven managers, and and that's one thing that impressed me about Hendrick Motorsports and this engine shop. When I walked into this place and I saw how uh, they they did business. Uh, I, I was floored because in my day before coming here, all decisions rest on my shoulders as far as the engines were concerned. I didn't have other management or other people that we could discuss uh, issues or point failures or, you know, it all rests on just the engine builder. Here we have a group of management uh, that we decide things together. And I think that's awesome. Cool. Is it a fun place to work? It's, it's a ball. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think this is the, uh, best engine program in the world. And I say that because not just the engine shop, but the complex wide Rick Hendrick treats us like family. Uh, he cares about every single employee here, no matter whether you're sweeping the floor or you're the president of the company. Uh, he thinks the world of all of us, and uh, I couldn't ask for a better place to work. Well, David Evans, you know, I think that's a good place just to break our conversation, and we're, we'll hopefully get you back on someday. But you're, you sounds like you're happy, so that's number one. <laughs> you know that uh, you got to be happy or semi-content in life to move on, and you're at a you're at a great company. You're doing great things. You're overseeing a lot of wins, a lot of success, and uh, you got a bunch of good guys working for you there. So, I mean, Hendrick uh, Motorsports, top of the game, right? Yeah, man, it's pretty. You know, you say that, and it just uh, I think it's so cool. And I use the word cool. That's an old phrase, but. Man, you, you started your dream 18 years, you know, when you were 17 years old uh, over in Virginia, and you end up at Hendrick Motorsports, and you went through a lot of a lot of things throughout it. You had a lot of success early on, then you had a lot of really tough times, and you rebound it, and you're back right on top. So congratulations to you. Thank you for the opportunities you've allowed me to have working with you during your career. And uh, we'll all have to get together and— uh, Go get that next win. Yeah, go go get uh, go get that? win three hundred yet this year. That way you can have an eight hundred party. That would be awesome. <laughs> be awesome to get it at Bristol. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, David Evans. Thank you very much for your time today. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speedsport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. <laughs>